investors they always want to hear marketplace and they always wants us to say we are uber for faith <laughs> but we are not like uh, we we actually say that we don't want to become uber for freight because i think uh, a lot of these uber for freight out there they're just trying to skip doing the hard part the hard part is leveling up the industry because right now we felt like the industry is still kind of lagging behind a lot of trucking companies are still are, are still using pen of papers a lot of trucking company are still using tms that doesn't have api so we want to fix that first My name is Alexander Luxidadi. I'm the co-founder and CTO of Rose Rocket. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, how Alexander Luxidadi built the TMS system for your business and for everyone in your freight network. All this and more on Code Story. Alexander Luxidati came to Canada in 2002 as an immigrant with a dream to work for IBM. However, during his time in school, he had a friend that went to San Francisco and came back changed, as Alexander put it. That same friend asked Alexander to join him in his garage and build a startup. He started to create things around analytics and A-B testing and saw the revenue impact of his work. It was at that point that startups became his life. He quickly found out the power of being a developer, but also the need to have a partner on the business side of the journey. Aside from tech, he's a musician. In fact, he got into programming because his dad wouldn't let him become a musician. He decided to do programming because he thought building software was going to be his way back to music. He loves blues, jazz, and recording in his studio. Alexander and his co-founder attempted to build a business in the freight and logistics space, which ultimately failed. But they saw a lot more opportunity in the space and set some goals for themselves to get funding or get into Y Combinator. They started by building strictly broker software. This is the creation story of Rose Rocket. Rose Rocket is just an operating system for trucking companies. It's pretty much an ERP for logistics service provider because our customers are not just trucking company, but freight brokerage as well, 3PL, any companies that pretty much need to move freight from A to B. And not just an ERP, but what differentiates us between the other TMS, which is transportation management system. What makes us different is like we're built for collaborations since early day because our thesis is trucking companies, the service, logistic service providers, they have to deal with a lot of collaborations every day. Just for example, say I'm a shipper, uh, I need to move my stuff from, let's say, Toronto to Los Angeles. It's not as simple as like calling, say, a trucking company and then, hey, move it from like Toronto to Los Angeles. Typically, it goes like this. Um, so I'm going to call, let's say, a broker because that way they can find like the, the right price for me and they will manage the relationship between the, the shipper and the trucking companies or the logistic service provider. So the broker will go out there and find a way to move my stuff from Toronto to Los Angeles. And typically, it's not just like, oh, I found a trucking company or they found a trucking company and then this trucking company will do the whole thing from Toronto to Los Angeles. 
the broker will have to break it into like multiple different movements. So for example, from Toronto to uh, Chicago, that's one trucking company. Then from Chicago to somewhere, that's another trucking company. And from that somewhere to Los Angeles, that's another trucking company. So imagine like having to figure out what's going on during that process it's very challenging typically say again like i'm the shipper i call the broker as let's say i ask hey where's where's my stuff like my colleague in la called just called me and they said that the the stuff is not there yet and you told me that the stuff is supposed to be there today and of course the broker don't know what's going on they have to call the trucking company and then the trucking company probably also like they don't know what's going on they have to call the driver and then the driver might not pick up the phone six hours later the driver will call back hey sorry my truck broke down i'm in somewhere right now right <laughs> so you see like how complicated it is now just imagine like multiple different layers of these like uh, informations that you need to extract I was working at Viva Systems when Justin Sky called me and he basically told me, Hey Alex, I'm, I'm starting a new company. I met this gentleman, Justin Bailey. He was a freight broker for 10 years. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunities here for modernizations. At the time, it wasn't Rose Rocket. The company called Freight Next. It's an actually different company and different product. Uh, so we started building software for shippers. Um, so if you look at the equations of the uh, in, in the freight industry, it's the shipper, there's the middleman, which is the broker, CPL. There are the service provider, which is the trucking companies. And trucking companies itself have many different types of trucking companies. We have a software that aggregates all these prices from all these logistic service providers that we pull from the, either their API or a lot of these service uh, logistic service providers, they don't even have API. They don't even have software. So what they gave us is like this pricing matrix. Uh, and that looks like something like, okay, from A to B, one skit is, I don't know, $20, two skits is $30 and so on. Right? So we have to do like the manual data entry to put it into the system and therefore our customer, which is the shipper, can pull all these prices from many different trucking companies uh, and so on. We figure out that shippers actually thinks that these type of software is just a nice to have software. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to be a system of record because we think that building a system of record uh, software would be pretty dispensable in terms of the IP, but um, they don't see it that way. So we had a lot of trouble scaling that business um, and eventually the business failed. But at the end of that journey, we saw a lot, a lot more opportunities in the space. After Freight Next, that's when we started Roche Rocket. In the beginning, Roche Rocket is strictly just a broker software. At the end of that journey in, in Freight Next, we, we've, we, uh, we connected with a lot of brokers and they said that we need a better software to manage our operations. And there was this one broker that gave us a check for like $2,000, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Funny enough that that was enough for us to continue building something. Uh, we promised ourselves to either get funding or go to Y Combinator. So, and luckily, uh, we got into Y Combinator and then uh, it, it was interesting because during Y Combinator, we, we were asked this question, how can you become a billion-dollar company? Because of that, we felt like, okay, um, let's, let's go back to the drawing room. Um, it's brokers, uh, like just, 
just having brokers as our customers is enough to, for us to become a billionaire company. And of course, the answer is not that straightforward. We, we did a lot of research and we felt like, okay, well, there's a lot of brokers, but there's also a lot of just like one main, one man brokerage. Because of that exercise, we looked at the other side of the equation, which is the logistic service provider, like trucking companies. And that's when we figure out that like, holy crap, there are only a few market leader in the TMSS space out there. And those are TMW and McLeod. And we felt like, oh, I think like this is it. You know, um, I think there, there, there's something we can exploit here. There's a space and we should we should go after the trucking companies as well. So tell me about the MVP. So you got into Y Combinator and then you had to build a product and you had experience building products. So tell me about that MVP you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Really in the beginning, it was just order management system. Somebody either like somebody who's working in the, uh, in the company will be entering the order manually. And another way of ingesting those order is through uh, our, our early feature called customer port. So uh, the idea there is like the brokerage, like they're always busy with all these phone calls, like getting all these deals, closing all these deals, but we want to make it easier for them. So we built customer portal for them so that they can start onboarding their, their customers and managing it through the port. That became like one of the most important features that we had because through that feature, we're able to sell to many different type of companies. Like for example, the mid-sized market, the enterprise as well, because they kind of see the value of having these customer portal. If we think about TMS as a whole, it's not just order management. There's a lot more to it. There's like the planning aspect, dispatching, driver management, driver settlement, like invoicing, billings, and so on. As I said before, it's kind of like an ERP. So it's kind of like a bloated software. Uh, and that's probably because like TMW and Cloud has been building like this TMS software category since the 90s. And they keep on putting a lot of stuff in it. We're trying to like be mindful of like, hey, we're early days. We can't just like build all these things. We specifically decided that like we don't want to build another accounting software, even though it is kind of like what's known out there is a TMS should have an accounting software. But we decided not to because there are the best in class accounting software out there. Zero QuickBooks. Why do we have to build another one? So what we do here is just like creating those uh, integrations as a connectors or as, a, as an apps to enable those type of things. So in starting at that point, and you kind of alluded to some of this, you know, with any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs, right? About technical debt or feature cut and you sound like you started in a specific area. Tell me about some of those decisions you had to make and how you specifically coped with them. That was really the challenge early day, definitely, because there's just so many things to build. Like when we had a call, of course, they, you know, with, with like prospect customers, they always like, okay, you guys need this, 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 and just the list keep on getting longer and longer. Trucking companies are not just like trucking companies. They have many, there are many different types of trucking companies, LTL, FTLs, and all those things. And they're all doing their business and operations in a very different way. LTL customers, they're going to ask for this. When we talk to FTL customer, they're going to ask for that. What changed the game uh, for us is some, somewhere through that journey, having difficulty of like deciding what's important to build, um, we came up with a framework, decision-making framework we call it Placemat. 
it's, it's kind of hard to like picture what that looks like but what that tool essentially is is to enable us to figure out like where should we be focusing on should we be focusing on SMB should we be focusing on mid-size should we be focusing on broker should we be focusing on enterprise there's four different dimensions of uh, decision-making framework when we have to choose okay should we do SMB or should we do enterprise enterprise definitely there's a lot of money but then when you're talking about enterprise they need a lot of a lot of these customizations custom workflows and, and so on and obviously we're it's going to be like a, a mammoth to build all those things so we decided to go for SMB and not just because of like the complexity that needs to be done for enterprise but also the opportunity and the vision as well our vision is actually to become the largest trucking company uh, I guess to start in North America and then hopefully in the world later on without assets and what that means is um, we want a lot of these services like we want to capture a lot of market share in the TMS space for everybody to use Rose Rocket because if they use Rose Rocket they can collaborate with each other so this is the differentiator between all the other TMS out there is like any Rose Rocket customers will benefit of having real-time direct integration between another Rose Rocket customer so what we are essentially trying to build is a network because if we have the network then we'll have a lot more things to unlock um, in the future for example marketplace and because we have visibility of what's going on in the network we'll be able to start building a real-time marketplace where we can start matching loads between Rose Rocket customers or any other systems out there that integrates with Rose Rocket. This is interesting because like investors they always want to hear marketplace and they always wants us to say we are uber for freight <laughs> but we're not like uh, we we actually said that we don't want to become uber for freight because i think uh, a lot of these uber for freight out there they're, tr they're just trying to like skip doing the hard part the hard part is uh, leveling up the industry because right now we felt like the industry is still kind of lagging behind. A lot of trucking companies are still are, are still using pen of papers. A lot of trucking companies are still using TMS that doesn't have API. A lot of trucking companies are still using this on-prem TMS that's kind of like a wild card. So we want to fix that first, become the system of record, build the network, then we can talk about Uber for Freight or any other things. Well, then let's, let's talk a little bit about that next step. So building a few things first and then becoming the Uber for freight, right? How did you progress the product? How did you go about that? And, you know, to kind of wrap that in a box, how, how did you build your roadmap? And what process did you go through or, or how did you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build? Early days, you really need to show that numbers and it's, it's pretty natural that like it's all based on like the sales calls like what do they need and then start ranking like these features that they need and but what we found out that we we're becoming kind of like we're always chasing those features we're always like over promising we always say that to the customer just to just so that we get that business we always tell them oh okay you need this feature abc that's coming in like six months it becomes always like kind of chasing all those features just to get sales and especially early days we don't have the resource yet and oftentimes we have to pick the battle we have to either churn the customers because we can deliver all the things that we promised until eventually we need to we need to evolve 
and that evolution is we want to empower more autonomy and like decision making to the, to the people who work in drug rocket not the sales people anymore not the founders anymore who are driving all these like decisions but we we now have like a decision making frameworks all based on like KPI all based on like what kind of programs we need to build to drive these numbers up so it becomes more data driven now so let's switch to team so how did you go about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you so i think one thing that i we did pretty well early days is like identifying these people um i think uh it's probably because the founders share the same value as i said before myself justin sky justin bailey we we have like very high energy and motivation and passion so naturally we're looking for the same type of people who have that same level of energy luckily as well i was able to recruit some of the people that i used to work with in the past careers they're all kind of still here it's just proof that when you're working with the same type of people that share the same value uh, it could go a very long way so what is what are those values i guess um so i'm like the founders are a very curious person uh we like to take risk at the same time we we take a lot of ownership yeah um i think those like core values that we're, we're looking for passionate people have drive have energy very curious take risk um and it felt good when you work with these people that share the same value well, let's talk about scalability so did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or have you been fighting this as you grow i think we're currently at the junction right now where what well, not right now i think we're starting to chip in like a lot of these technical debts um and some of these inefficiencies that we've been uh, accumulating since early days because like uh, of course early days is all about output it's all about just moving fast kind of ignoring all, a lot of noises and we learn a lot of things as well uh, from early days up until today one of the biggest learning is you need to build a, a very inclusive culture where it doesn't feel like people just owning a certain part of the stack or a certain part of the process like what what i meant by this is the classic of like oh developer my job is just to write code quality that's that's qa job and then after the qa done uh, they 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 do all the tests they're going to pass it to the uh, devops team and then that became their their problem so we learned that probably a couple of years ago that that's not scalable and uh, as you grow um that 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 won't be really good to keep because like um yeah i mean like people will be like protecting their turf people will be like start blaming and you just need to like react and 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 change before it becomes toxic so we're starting to adopt like the whole devops minds uh culture right like trunk based development and and uh, ownership bit from like the the beginning of the code until the deployment uh, a lot of visibilities and um a lot of these like new new paradigm of like how the developer should thinks about how they work how they deploy the code how they should react to like production incidents and so on so we're slowly like moving in that directions and this year actually um 
yeah, we're, we're, we're starting to think doubling down on just getting even better because I, I really believe that these companies who are, I would call elite, like the Google, the Netflix, they, they started investing this very early and, and because they started investing very early, they're able to like keep getting better at it. They keep on raising the bar high. Eventually they get to the point where they can start building a lot of innovations and they can start putting a lot more bets, not just like trying to get the number. It's more about just like, okay, we can cover the base, we can get that number, but then how can we place a bet that will set us apart from like all the other competitions? How can we gain that unparalleled advantage? And if you see like Google, Netflix, and all these elites, like it's just so, it's going to be so hard to catch them because like that's what they do. They keep on building like new innovations. They keep on building tools um, to enable like that velocity, quality, and then eventually like all these things that sets them apart from all their com- competitors, right? So that is kind of like what I'm trying to get our company to be. Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I think I'm, I'm definitely emphasizing more on the people here. There's something about our culture. We have very low attrition. We've been doing this since 2015. There's only a few that who left voluntarily. I think that just shows that we've been building the culture pretty strong uh, and people are happy. Probably one of the secret sauce for Rose Rocket is we're always trying to find the right home for people. The, there are there are there are like a many uh, Rose Rocket employee who started from somewhere, let's say for example marketing, and ended up in like HR or like from sales and becoming product managers. We always like gave that opportunity to people who are curious about reinventing themselves. Yeah, so I think like the culture, the people, um, definitely are the thing that I'm proud the most. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. That's this thing that like we're still kind of like fixing it. It's definitely my mistake. I tried to be fancy with like microservice. This is definitely one of those mistakes that every like a lot of people probably did when they, they first tried to do microservice. <laughs> so uh, I, I think uh, I tried to do these microservice like early days and then... Um, even though I've been told don't do that early day, you don't know, you don't know your problems yet. And I ended up building a um, distributed monolith, which is the worst of its kind. <laughs> so um, yeah, so so we we have plan now to like slowly like fixing that. And so that's one. And then second is like that I that thing that I mentioned before, designing the process in a way that like, it's kind of like passing the batons um, from developers to QA to like the ops, because there's always something missing in between when you're passing the batons. And then when, when there's something missing, it's gonna be hard to figure out what happened sometimes. And when things broke, then nobody knows like what really, really happened. Well, what does the future look like for Rose Rocket, the product and for your team? Because we're building a network, we need to cater to all different type of trucking companies and brokers and so on and sizes. And as a result of that, like I think what's next for us is to make our architecture more flexible. So the idea of like building a platform tool and slowly like making our architecture to be more flexible to to cater to all these needs from many different trucking companies. 
So if you think about like how trucking company do their operations, it's basically just a bunch of workflow. Even from like the biggest workflow and then uh, have like a bunch of like child workflow. If you think about it, like say an order, right? An order goes to from um, Toronto to Los Angeles, that first example that I told you. Um, because, uh, and that's like maybe the top level workflow, but then like the underneath, there are many different sub workflows from like um, just the movement part. We call it legs. So leg one is the trucking company. That's another workflow uh, to move from B to C. That's another workflow just to make up that like one order. And then on top of that, there are more workflows to be done. Let's say the invoicing, the billings, and then paying, like payment as well is another workflow. So it's just all workflows. So how can we make it flexible? How can we enable customizations to these workflows? I think that's probably like our biggest roadmap this year and next year before we start unlocking more of um, the market, like um, getting more of these different type of trucking companies to become our customer. Let's switch to you, Alexander. Who influences the way that you work? Name a CEO, a CTO, an architect, really any person that you look up to and why. The best manager I've ever had, his name is John Fernandez, and he's actually a director of engineering now in Rose Rocket. He's definitely the best uh, manager I've ever had, and that's why like, I work really hard to, to get him to join the Rose Rocket. I was so happy that he joined Rose Rocket, so shout out to him if he listened to this. Like a bunch of people at Viva Systems when I worked there, just a bunch of like wonderful, very smart people, just very thoughtful and humble. Sean Marek was my manager. He was like very amazing architect, uh, worked really hard. I just can't beat him because like every time I came to the office, no matter how early I came, he was always there. And then no matter how I tried to be the last person, he just never go home. Other than that, like the, uh, uh, I like, Simon Sinek, uh, I think he influenced my, uh, me a lot in terms of like leadership style, just being positive, be inspirational. I think uh, if I have to describe my leadership style, is like uh, I, I like inspiring people, I like playing people's motivation into my advantage and, and driving them for success. Yeah, I think like Simon Sinek definitely influenced me a lot. Yeah, I'll stop right there. Well, we talked about a mistake, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Somehow, like, I don't know, all these happen, like, accidental. Uh, because as you, as I said before, like, I wanted to become a musician, but then my dad wouldn't allow me. And then uh, I went into this path and then I wanted to join a big company. And then I met Bob and then that changed the course of my uh, trajectory. But I don't want to change anything because like, this is really like what gets me wake up in the morning feeling alive. Just being in the space, like building things with amazing people. Uh, I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for, <laughs> but I'm really, really happy like somehow I got here, even though early days I wanted to go somewhere else. Like if I, if I say like, I, I would rather be like, I, I would, I would be a musician instead of all these things. Nah, I don't think so. Yeah, my dad is right. So thank you, dad, if you listen to this. Well, last question, Alexander. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. 
What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? Don't be afraid of failures. The failures is the best thing ever for you if you have the right mindset to see failure as a learning tool, as something that you can get better at. I think that would be the biggest advice. Of course, that's kind of classic, but I just felt like there's a lot of people out there that are just afraid of failures. I've, I've, I've came across many entrepreneurs just like, they're so afraid of failure, they think too much and they're afraid. They, they're very early in their journey and they already start thinking about like, oh, what if I, got, if, if I get sued? What if, if this and that? Like, dude, just go and build. And I don't know. I mean, like, it will lead you somewhere eventually. And that's what happened right, with me. It's just if I just keep on building, it leads me to where I am today. And of course, there's going to be many failures, many lessons, and that's okay. Just keep building. That's great advice. Alexander, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Rose Rocket. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.